Welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we talk about the power of love and its creative expression in our lives. We talk about all things related to growth, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Karen Kamara. Episode 82, Falling in Love with Healthy Relationships. Toxic relationships are unfortunately a huge part of many of our lives, and how to heal from an emotionally abusive relationship is to attract healthy relationships in your life and as well as heal yourself. Today we are talking to Denise, who is a transformational love coach, speaker, and international best-selling author. She's a survivor and a thriver of narcissistic abuse. Denise is the founder of Life After Narcissism, CSW Coaching, a global resource for victims of emotional abuse that offers support and coaching to women who are ready to break ties with narcissistic abuse in past relationships. Denise uses her real life experience as a way to connect with others and teach love and support them in their healing journey. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. Uh, Today, we have a beautiful guest, Denise. Welcome. Hello, I'm so excited to be here with your audience and you. (laughs) Thank you. I always start at the podcast asking you what your love story is. When did you fall in love with who you are and what you're doing in the world? And tell us a little bit about your journey. So my journey started with um, actually leaving a 22-year toxic relationship and not knowing the depth of what I had been through, just knowing like it was was effed up, it was dysfunctional, it was toxic, uh, but like not really knowing that it was abusive and, and all the things that were true about my story. And um, it was about two years I was out of it. Uh, and realizing, oh, he's a narcissist. Oh, this is what, oh, okay. Like all the things I started to realize. And, and I always share about my um, self-love discovery was, you know, if people would have asked me back then, do you love yourself, Denise? I would have said, of course I do. I take a shower every day. I you know, I get my nails done, I get my hair done. I don't do drugs. I don't smoke cigarettes. You know what I mean? So that would, would have been my reply as to what self-love is. But when I got out of that relationship and started on my journey of self-discovery, then I realized, oh, self-love is so much more than what I described, which is self-care. I cared about myself, but I didn't love myself, i.e. why I stayed for 22 years, right? So it was um, actually going, uh, creating online, um, online interviews with experts like you that I started to, I was being taught what self-love really is and then went down that journey. And so now the answer is completely different than the one before, because like I said, one's care, one's love. So that didn't happen until I was way in my (laughs) forties. It's interesting because. When I was younger, um, like in my 20s, and I would talk to women that were older, 
they would tell me something similar. They were like, yeah, I didn't really know who I was until I was my in my 40s. And, yeah. and I remember thinking, I was like, oh, what is she talking about? She's an old lady, whatever. Like, I was so <laughs> dismissive of those right. comments. And now that I'm in my 40s, I know exactly what they were talking about. Because yes. there is something that happens in your upper 30s going into your 40s where you're just like, hey, wait a minute. I don't have to be treated like this anymore. And it and I could love myself. I'm worthy of, of whatever. You know, I think it starts to really shift when you're like, I'm grown. I'm a woman yeah. now. I can make different decisions and I don't have to make a decision for anyone else but for me. And yes. what can I do to make myself happy? And yeah. it's it's I don't know why it takes so long <laughs> to come to that place. <laughs> I wish it happened earlier. So when I meet younger women, I'm trying to do what this older woman did for me. Right. But they still roll their eyes and they're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's something we all have to come to um, to ourselves. You know, we all have to have that self-discovery of what it means to be absolutely in yes. love with ourselves and also to recognize abuse when it happens. Yes. Yes. And, and that was the thing with me is that because I came from a home that had emotional, mental abuse and financial abuse and sometimes physical abuse, that when... I got married for the first time. First of all, I was very young. And what the heck do we know about ourselves at 21 years old? Nothing. Nothing. Zero. We're babies. So at 21 years old, uh, getting married, um, I basically married somebody who was a replica of how I grew up, but even worse as the time went on, it got worse. So yeah, just not even knowing what it was, thinking it was normal. This is what a relationship looks like. Oh, he's just having a bad day. Or, oh, it's because he had a rough background. Or, oh, it's his culture. Blah, blah, blah. And not really seeing what was really happening. And also, I was in a space of trying to be the best wife and the best mom and prove to him that I was worthy of him treating me well. Mm-hmm. Instead of the opposite of him seeing that I was worthy of him treating me well, I was doing the opposite, which a lot of women do, especially in, in these types of relationships. They're, they're constantly proving themselves to have somebody treat them well, which is a whole other journey. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because when I was in a relationship, I didn't realize he was being abusive. Because I think when somebody says something mean to you, like, obviously, you know, like you're, you're nothing or they insult you directly. It's very obvious. Okay. This is abusive, but sometimes it could be very, very subtle, like subtle manipulation. Just, I just didn't even know what was happening until somebody else pointed it out. And then when someone else pointed it out, I was like, oh my God, this is emotional abuse when it's subtle manipulation, just making you feel bad. And it's so, um, psychological because mm-hmm. they're in pain. So when people are in pain, people hurt other people. Right. And and also when you're in pain, like you, you know, we all have our own pain that we carry. So then our pain gets triggered. Right. So relationships could be very, very they can turn toxic very quickly if you're not with the right person or if you don't have and or without the right support system around you to help you recognize, hey, this is not a good person for you. Right. Yeah. Hurt people, hurt people. And also wounded people attract other wounded people in relationships. So in speaking of subtle behavior, I just want to point this out for your audience, because this is how subtle what you were talking about is. Um, I, 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 I watch a lot of crime shows because obviously there's abuse in there and, and I learn things. And one 
uh, couple that I was watching, it was so interesting because she would put on the outfit that she wanted to wear that day. And he said, oh, babe, that's a nice outfit. But why don't you wear the one that I bought for you? The one that I picked out for you. And she was, and then he says, because it looks so good on you. You look really sexy in it or whatever he said, right? And she was like, oh, okay, that's so sweet. And so she would change the outfit that she was wearing and she would take his opinion and and put the outfit that he wanted her to wear. That's how subtle. And then another one, another example is, is I have this uh, friend from high school and and she posted a picture and I was like, oh, is that a dress from a certain catalog? She's like, yeah, my boyfriend, he buys me all my clothes. He picks out and buys me all my clothes. And I was like, okay, yay, that's beautiful. So that's how subtle it can be. And right. this is manipulation and control that I'm describing, right? Yeah. But it doesn't appear that way. It appears like, oh, babe, I love you so much this dress will look so beautiful on you. I'm going to buy it for you. And I'm going to buy you all of your clothes. You know what I mean? And don't wear that because you look so much better in this. Yeah. Very that's, subtle. That's what I experienced. And it took me, you know, it was one of these things, you know, and also I feel like this subtle manipulation is hurtful. It was hurtful for my own ego. Cause I was like, I'm an intelligent, strong woman, independent. I would never let anyone abuse me. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was my mindset. Cause I was just like, right. you know, I would th- kick this man to the curb, but then mm-hmm. it's so subtle that I was less left confused. I'm like, was that, I-, I was so confused. It was until it was so like all those micro aggressions finally added up. And I was like, Oh, he's trying to manipulate me. And then, anymore. <laughs> then it got, then it got ugly and we broke up, but it's just interesting those like, but you're right. Wounded people attract wounded people. And for me, I was wounded in a certain way and he was wounded in a certain way. But then I, I think it was magical for me because it really allowed me to heal those wounded parts of myself that I wouldn't wouldn't have done if I wasn't in that type of relationship. So I feel like, you know, there's no mistakes. We're all in relationships for particular reasons. If we can take that opportunity to heal as opposed to letting it take us down the victim train. Yes. And that is such a great point to, to point out because that's what I say, you know, through all of the traumas and the dramas that I've been through with my ex, 22 years of it, he's the father of my two children. And I can today sit here and say to you, I don't hate him. I'm not mad at him. Yes. I forgive him. Yes. I love him, which is a big one. I love my ex who abused me because of the healing that I've done. And because I know now that we, we were attracted to each other for a reason. And like you just said, the reason is, is that I was supposed to learn something, learn lessons about myself and learn lessons about life. And that's why when I was ready, i.e. 22 years, that's when I left and not a minute before, not a minute after it was the exact path that I was supposed to take as painful as it was. And that's, and that's the lessons, right? It's in the pain. It's not in the, you know, everything's rainbows and trolls. Like everything's exciting. There's, where's the lesson in that? It was through that pain and all the traumas and dramas that I had gone through and still go through because we have two children together. And unfortunately, my, my son is, is a carbon copy of his father. So there's things that I've worked, still working through with him. 
Um, but if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be who I am today and I wouldn't be able to share this information. And that's what I want women to really get. Like when you can get to that point where you have forgiven the past, forgiven your ex and love him, you know, you no longer hate him or have resentment or, or blame him. Cause that's a big thing that I did. I blamed him for everything. I blamed him for destroying our family and the breakup and the divorce. And because I kept saying, well, I wasn't the one who cheated. I'm not the one who lied. I'm not the one who was doing drugs. It was you, you, you. And I would not take responsibility for myself and shifted all the blame on him. So there was through my healing journey, I learned all of that about myself. And now I can sit here and say this. And, you know, I always think that our biggest pains in our life are often become our superpower later on once we're able Absolutely. to go through it because then we're able to offer it to others because right. if you weren't in a narcissistic abusive relationship, you wouldn't be able to help women now. And do you work with men too? Yes. So you, you wouldn't be able to help people get out from under a toxic relationship because sometimes it is so hard to get out. It really is. And yes, we really need to rely on others to help us see, oh, wow, this, you don't have to do this. Yeah. And what do they say? Your te- the test is your testimony, right? Yes. Yeah. All the tests in life are your testimony mm-hmm. when you come out on the other side of it. And like you said, unless you choose to stay in it and go down the victim rabbit hole and stay there, then, then there's no lessons being learned there. But if you, if you use the tests in your life as your testimony, then yeah, we're on the other side. Yeah. I mean, I loved what you said about taking responsibility because I think that when you are in an abusive relationship, it's so easy to just blame the other person. I mean, in general, it's easy to blame everyone else for your problems. Um, yes. But then there's no, there's nowhere to go with that. There's no, right. you're kind of like pushed against the wall of being like, it's you, 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 but then you can't grow. You can't move because you're blaming yeah. everyone else for your shortcomings or whatever is happening in your life. And yeah. that takes a big, it takes a lot of courage to then look at the mirror and be like, okay, what, why am I in this relationship? Like what's going on with me? Why am I attracting this type of person? And I mean, and it's painful to see like you are the cause. You're the creator right. of your life. You know, like I was, when I was dating, or I mean, I'm still dating, but there was a moment in my life where I felt like I was dating the same guy. Like I was like, I like kind of freaked out. I was like, excuse me, it's been 10 years and I've been dating the same man in different variations of the same guy. And it literally was like, okay, so the common denominator is me. Yes. That's exactly what I say. (laughs) Same words. (laughs) So who's going to change them or me? Like I have to change in order to attract a different type of person in, into my life. And exactly. It doesn't happen until you make that decision for yourself where you've hit the same wall over and over that you're like, okay, I need, I want to hit a different wall. Like I literally told my yeah. friend, I was like, I want a different problem to talk about. Like, I don't want to talk about this one anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That is so pivotal. That was what exactly how it happened for me. And, and I assume other women too, when they have the self-discovery, I was in the dating world in my forties. Um, and prior to that dating was like 1980s. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so dating world completely changed. Yeah, totally. And so um, I was attracting, like you said, the same 
person, just in a different body and a different face, but it was the same energy mm-hmm. as my ex. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And so it came to this one uh, person that I was dating for a very short amount of time. And um, he had created a scenario very similar to the one that I went through with my ex in Florida. So I'm in North Carolina and I left Florida and I left my entire everything. Um, And nobody knew about this scenario, which was an attempted suicide of my ex, right? It was a huge trauma that we, I had been through. And so this person that I was dating replicated almost to a T this scenario. And that was when I was like, wait a minute, nobody even knows about this. So how does this guy why would he do that? You know what I mean? And then I, that's when I had like such a huge, you know, moment of my life to be like, exactly what you said, Denise, these people don't know each other, but they know you and you know them. So who's the common denominator here? And that's when I completely stopped dating, got off all of the uh, apps and, and went within because I needed to like figure this out. Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. I mean, I literally was like, this is, I was just kind of astonished that, um, first of all, that it took me so long, but, um, but I hear, you know, I've heard people say that all the time. I've been dating the same person over and over and I'm just like, oh yeah. You know, you kind of think about things distant from others until you experience it. And then when you do, you're like, oh, right. Mm-hmm. It's a me yeah. problem, not a them problem. Exactly, exactly. It's a me problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it totally shifted. You know, it, you know, when you're able to tap into your own self love and really start to heal those broken parts of you, then you can attract a totally different person and friends, and you know, even friends that I was attracting when I was all in a wounded place. All of my relationships yes. shifted because. Yep. You're attracting people from a wounded place. Right. And that's exactly. never, those are not the best relationships, friends or otherwise, business relationships, all relationships just don't work right. as well. It, it's totally, absolutely better to be from a place of fullness and abundance and joy. And then you meet people that meet you at that vibration. Right. And you attract, like you said, different friends and, and coworkers and bosses and situations and opportunities yeah. and all of it because. You know, abuse, I always say abusive people don't show up with a sign that says, I'm, a, I'm an a-hole, <laughs> right? They show up with this charismatic, um, charming self, right? The mask is on. And that's why victims in, in these situations, in these relationships, and all relationships, like you say, um, they fall for it because yeah, you're being nice and you're being charming and this and that. Oh, you're so funny. And then as the time goes into whatever that relationship is, then you start, you know, the mask comes off when, from what I've seen in my research and also doing this since 2014 is that once for the narcissist, once there's an investment in the relationship, so IE engagement, marriage, pregnancy, mortgage, a business together, uh, or even just falling in love. Like you're so in love with me. You're not going anywhere, Karen. Um, (laughs) That's when the mask comes off of the abuser and fully come off. So it could be gradually coming off as the person is falling in love or they're getting married or engaged, but fully is when 
the um, when there's a, a big investment and they feel secure that you're not going anywhere. Yeah, I fell into that trap. It was intense. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because um, now I fully I can recognize narcissists in a different way. And also for me, I call it the narcissistic victim that blames everyone else for their issues. Um, but they're always in pain. And I think for me, what I've learned is to heal myself. That's been the biggest gift yes. because I feel like I want to go to someone full. Cause you know, when you were talking about how narcissism, like how they pull you in cause they're so charming and all of that. And I felt, I fell for those situations because I was so needy and desperate. So this person's yes. paying attention to me. Okay. Okay. And then you kind of just go after this person because they're giving you little breadcrumbs and you're so desperate and needy that you're like, okay, I'll take these tiny crumbs. But if you're full and abundant, you're going to look at these crumbs. Like I don't need these crumbs. And see that for what it is. Exactly. Right. right. <laughs> and that's where I feel like it's so important to be is to be able to be so full and, and abundant and have so much heart and love and joy in your life that you can look at these crumbs and be like, I, I don't want crumbs. What what is that? What right. the hell are you trying to give me? <laughs> exactly. And I don't even think narcissists in that way even are attracted to you because at some point it's like you don't match right. that vibration. You just exactly. Don't. Right. And that's exactly it. So when you when you just stated that, when people ask me, why does this keep happening again? How do I stop this? You know, any question that they ask me in my head, I'm like, just heal. That's all you have to do is heal heal. The answer to all of those questions is just heal, just heal, just heal. Because when you heal exactly what you just described happens, you look at them for exactly who they are completely different than the way you looked at them when you were the wounded part of you. Right. right? And then, like you said, when they give you the breadcrumbs, you see it as breadcrumbs, not like, Oh, so exciting. Great. I'm getting attention and right. whatever. You yeah. see the breadcrumbs for freaking breadcrumbs mm -hmm. and you see, you know, and you know that master? you deserve more. You're like, I don't exactly. I, like who, who are you, who are you giving breadcrumbs to? <laughs> exactly. the, yeah. the best way that I love to describe it is in the mastery of love, the book, the mastery of love by Don Miguel Ruiz. He did a whole bunch of books, but this was, this is like a Bible for relationships and what I share with my clients in, in one of the chapters, he calls it the magical kitchen. And basically what he describes is that, Imagine you have this full kitchen of food, all your pantry's full of food, all this food in the refrigerator, you have food, you have so much food. And somebody knocks on the door and says, oh, I have this pizza. Do you want this pizza? If you eat this pizza, right, there's a trade-off, mm -hmm. right? I, I forget what the trade-off is, but something basically I'm taking your soul. That's mm -hmm. <laughs> what this, and you say, what? I don't want pizza. <laughs> I don't, exactly, I have my own pizza. I don't need your pizza, right? right? But then he gives the other scenario. He says, imagine if you're starving and you haven't had food in weeks and somebody shows up with this pizza at your door. You're going to grab, you're not going to ask any questions. You're going to grab that pizza and you're going to scarf it down right. without even asking a question or knowing what's really going on. And that's the perfect description of full versus empty. Exactly. And we're yeah. so desperate for love. I think that's also kind of why we all just fall for these traps yeah. because I know for myself, like wanting to be loved so bad that I would do anything. And then coming from a desperate, deprived place, right? Because I feel like, oh my God, I want love so bad. But then when you're like, okay, I don't need that because I 
can fill myself with my own love and have love in other forms. It doesn't necessarily always have to be this romantic love. And right. having to work through all those things, then you get to the other side and you're like, oh, okay. You see the pizza and you're like, okay, I don't really need pizza today. That's okay. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm full. I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not hungry at all. Right. And it's such a nice, empowered place to be. Absolutely. And, um, and I would love for everyone to be there because then I feel like yes. it'd be a different world if people weren't so like, ah. Wouldn't it? It'd be so beautiful. Yeah. And it's a work in progress. I mean, we're all not, I mean, I'm not perfect. So it's like, you know, it's a work in progress to constantly, it's a choice to constantly choose, okay, this is what I'm committing to. This is what I want to do. This is how I want right. to be. So, and of course we all kind of slip back, you know, in our old mm-hmm. patterns, but then it's like, okay, just, you know, I think it's having the better and better. Yeah. Just um, growing and having cool. grace and compassion for yourself. Cause I think, you know, when we talk about the self-love journey, people should heal. I think some people, at least I've had this experience with clients where they get anxious about it. They're like, oh, I don't know. Like, you know, and then like, I don't know if I could do it. And so I just always want to tell people that it's a journey. Yeah. Yeah. Because they get scared because of the old, old voices in their head of saying somewhere along the line that this is not possible. You you can't have it, right? Because somebody said, I never had it, so you can't have it. Or maybe there's a history in the fa- in that person's family where it's never been a true story. It's never happened. So they believe that story. And then they, based on them believing that story, they think it's not true for them. It could never be true for them. Yeah. But it's just yeah. a story. It's a story. I mean, it's so interesting because love is like one of the most beautiful expressions of life and creativity, but at the same time, it causes so much pain for people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you, we can't really thrive as humans without it. It doesn't really work. You know, kids yeah. don't even live. Infants don't live, right? If you don't, if they're not held. So it's just one of these things that I think it's like vital, like air, like we just as humans need to connect. And I think that's why COVID was so difficult for most of us because we're isolated mm-hmm. and no hugs no I mean it was just like I'm like who can live like this this would be insane right basically taking our humanity away right right yeah no connection like you have to separate yourself and have no connection and have no like you said love and touching and because that's how as humans we're built for love because we are love right and we have to have this connection. That's why you said earlier, we're so desperate for love. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because we are love and we're built for love. And so it's a necessity. It's like air to breathe. Right. And then when that was all taken away, then, the, then yeah. And then was, the narcissists grow. Yes. So many abusive relationships and domestic violence all increase during this time because now you're at home with your abuser. Yeah. all the time you can't leave right. to go to work so that was the most heartbreaking thing about this whole situation and I was like mm-hmm. you know people that are being abused are being abused all the time now and there's no exit right um, but it also gives us time for self-reflection so I'm hoping and praying that a lot of people found healing during this time so they can really have the time to go in and be like hey what's happening or at least be like screw this yeah. like uh I can't do this anymore. Like being at home with so-and-so for such and such time was hell and I'm getting out. (laughs) That's what happened to me. (laughs) I don't know if I would have broke up with my boyfriend if we, if COVID didn't happen. 
Look at that. There's so many beautiful things that happened during the past two years. I was like all day, every day. Like this is not. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't feel like, I don't feel like you should feel that way about your person. No, exactly. You should feel like, oh my God, I'd spend every moment with you. I mean, I need some space, but overall you should, I would want to have this feeling of like, I could spend every moment of every day with you and not feel like, oh my God, really? When are you leaving? (laughs) It was terrible. I'm like, oh my God. I think after a month I was like, how do people do this? I remember when I was in my my past relationship, we had built, um, he had a shed come in to the backyard because we were using it as an office. And I remember I would be in that shed slash office from like eight in the morning to 10 at night because I did not want to be in the same, you know, in the house with him. Mm-hmm. And I would make up any excuse I could I'm working, I'm working on this, I'm doing this, I'm preparing for tomorrow, whatever it was, because I was running his business, um, to not go into the house with him, right? Dinner? Oh, let's grab something. <laughs> I'm not going in the house and cooking dinner. And yeah. I, that's a lot of hours to be away from somebody. And now going through this pandemic and being in a completely different relationship, um, which had completely different results. Like I'm in the house all the time and I don't, feel that way. I don't do that. Um, yeah. And cause when you're with somebody and that somebody spending time with them makes you laugh and you have a good time and it's very relaxed and you can be yourself, mm-hmm. you can say whatever you want. There's no repercussions. It's not going to get thrown in your face later on down the line. Like narcissists do. It's oh God, uh, completely different. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's interesting. Um, it's in- narcissists are interesting. They're just interesting psychologically. And I think yes. when you are healed as a person, you can start to look at them with a lot. For me, I found a lot of forgiveness for narcissistic behavior because I was able to see where the pain was coming from. Like for an example is my dad. Like I, he's narcissistic. He has narcissistic patterns. He's changed mm-hmm. a lot over the years. When mm-hmm. I was young, he would do things that I considered, I would consider now narcissistic. But really it's because he had a really painful tortured childhood and when I learned all of his his story I was like oh that meant your behavior now makes sense it doesn't I don't excuse it it wasn't great Mm -hmm. but I have way more compassion for him and I was able to forgive him um and the same with my ex it's like learning oh okay this is there these are deep deep wounds that they may never heal I, I mean they may leave this planet with these deep wounds and it's this it's sad and at the same time it's like okay this is what people go through Right. And it's their choice. And it's their choice. Yeah. Right. It's their choice. I mean, just like it was our choice to leave the planet feeling healed and whole. Right. It's their choice. This is the biggest thing that I share with people is that everybody has a choice. And like you said in the beginning, I can't change you. You can't change me. I can, I'm only responsible for this vessel and I can only change me. I have no including children, right? Mm-hmm. We're not even responsible for their path and, and their life's path and what they're going to do. We have to only change ourselves in order for our outside reality to reflect what's happening inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think with kids and family members, we always want to help them shift and change. And yeah. it's so, and it's really frustrating when it's people you love when you could be like, you can do this and you can change if you do this. But if people don't want to, they don't want to. Right. 
because you see the potential in them, but they don't see the potential in them. And it's their, it's their realization that they have to come to, to say, oh, I do have this potential. I am worthy of doing X, Y, and Z, but that's, yeah. What is it? You can lead the horse to the water, but you can't make the horse drink the water. Right. Exactly. And I also think it's that realization that um, we all have toxicity inside of ourselves. Right. And so I feel like for me, one of my decisions was like, okay, well, I don't want to spew my toxicity onto someone else. Like I want to heal myself so that I don't, so I'm not toxic to other people. And I feel like that's a decision that a lot of narcissists don't make because they're like, okay, I'm toxic. I'm, they don't even realize that they're toxic or, you know, to at worst evil. They're like, whatever, I'm just living my life. Or maybe they are conscious, which then makes them, throws them into the sociopathic kind of realm where they just don't care. Um, so it's difficult. It's difficult for people to come to that realization, but the ones that are coming to you are the ones that want to shift. Right. They're the victims in the relationship. Yes. Do you ever work with the oppressors? No, Mm. because they don't see a problem. Yeah. They don't, they blame everybody and everything for their life. So that's why I was doing an interview the other day and she came up with some statistics of narcissistic personality disorder and how many people have been diagnosed with it. And I was like, well, you can take that number. You can quadruple it because how does that even happen? Because they don't see a problem. You have like, if you don't feel well, you go to the doctor and you say, I don't feel well. What's going on with me? And then you come up with a diet or the doctor comes up with a diagnosis of what's wrong with you but narcissists there's nothing wrong with them according to them right it's i'm this way because of my upbringing or i'm this way because of you or i'm this way because of whatever there's no going to the doctor or psychologist psychiatrist and saying hey my world is screwed up i can't have a relationship it's all they're all my relationships are bad what's going on with me I wonder if there's um, any resources for narcissists that want to shift. <laughs> I mean, well, then they wouldn't be a narcissist. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, there must be some reformed narcissists out there. Um, at least I want to believe that. Um, because it would just be so, um, it's so bleak. It's a bleak yeah. experience. It's, I mean, I just feel like, wow, their existence is so um, limited. So for the people who have narcissistic tendencies or if they picked up narcissistic behavior from their environment growing up or whatever, those are people that just have the narcissistic behaviors, but they're not full-blown narcissists. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are many people who have reformed themselves from that aspect mm-hmm. to getting to the other side. Yeah. But for somebody who is a full-blown narcissist mm-hmm. and has a narcissistic personality disorder there no help for no reform no aka trump mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah that's true um i mean i think that's you know that's one of those things where like you can't really at least i try to see the the light in people but there are people that's just no hope for them and how can i love and have compassion and not be judgmental towards those people. I think that's always my lesson. I'm like, how can I be okay with these types of people in the world? Mm-hmm. Or even when you experience them, because we experience people, you know, different types of people all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you don't necessarily want to invite them in your house and be BFFs with them, but it could be a coworker or somebody in the street. You know, there's so many, you know, somebody driving by you, you know, there's so many full blown narcissistic people in the world. And I feel like they need, they need so much love and compassion because they're kind of crazy. Yes. And it's hard. Yes. Yeah. And I'm grateful that that's not my situation this time around. I'm sure I was a narcissist at some other life. Of course, we all were. We all were, but maybe that's why I have so much compassion for them. I was like, I was you. I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Because I get, I can, I fully understand. I'm like, yeah, I mean, F everything. Just like, Mm -hmm. you know, but. All right. Well, let's talk about something brighter. Okay. Let's do it. (laughs) The infinite love question. So how do you express love in your work? In my work, um, I express love by seeing people from a point of humanity, being compassion, um, having compassion for them, being um, loving and and understanding and listening to them. Yeah, I feel like- I wasn't always a good listener. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I wasn't a good listener for a while too, because I think when you're in a lot of pain, it's hard to listen to other people because you're in your own- um, at least for me, I was in my own world. So when somebody said something, I was like, oh, kind of swimming in my own pain. So mm-hmm. it's a skill yeah. set for sure. It is. Um, where has forgiveness brought more love into your life? Mm, lots. <laughs> so it was, you know, it's funny because my daughter at the time was in, probably in her early 20s, came to me and was like, Mom, have you ever read this book? The Mastery of Love, the one that I was talking about before. I'm like, no, I never read this book. She's like, you should read it. It's really good. And so in that book, he explains the three keys to healing. And the three keys to healing come from our great masters, like Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, great masters like that, who had tested these three keys of healing with people from all over the world. And he describes what all over the world is, like literally all over the world. And he says that when you go through these three keys, one of them being forgiveness, you're healed, right? You heal your mind, you heal your heart, and you have compassion for, like you were describing other people on this in your past, in your situations. Yeah. So I think that was the biggest, along with being coached at the time, <laughs> and my my empowerment coach saying to me when I was describing my relationship, she said, well, what part of um, what part did you play in that? And I was, I got pissed. I was like, what do you mean? I didn't lie. I didn't cheat. Like I didn't do any of that. What do you mean? What part did I play? And, and that was the, the beginning of the journey to start my forgiveness, forgiveness, you know, for him, for the past, for me, for staying in it for so long and the guilt that I was uh, carrying from staying and, and what my kids went through by my decision of staying. So yeah, I think the combo of those two is my journey to forgiveness. And when we can forgive ourselves in the past, well, forgiving ourselves is the supreme, it's the ultimate. Ultimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, then there's nothing but love left mm-hmm. once you go through that path. Yeah. Yeah. I know like being in a toxic relationship when you're in it, I feel like self-forgiveness is so key. Like it's important to, to forgive the other person because I think the shame and blame and you know like what I was talking about being the common denominator 
I think you can also take that situation and go down the victim train, right? Where like, oh my God, I'm such a terrible person. I attracted all these idiots. Like, da, 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 da. I had my moment in that train, um, <laughs> which is why I know, or at least I have a deeper understanding of that can also take you down. Poor, woo is me. You know? mm-hmm. So I think that's where the forgiveness of self is important. Um because there you can find compassion towards yourself and being like, hey, you know, I need, you know, having gratitude and understanding why something is happening to you as opposed to being like, oh, my God, I'm a bad person. Um, That was really helpful for me in terms of self-forgiveness is not to um, blame myself and then go down this dark hole of I'm a bad person. Right. Plus, it takes you out of the victim mentality, the victim story. Right. You're no longer blaming yourself or blaming others. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see the situation for what it truly is, mm-hmm. which yeah. there's no victims in either right. side. Right. Exactly. And, um, but the ego mind will take you down. Yes. The victim train. A little sneaky ego. <laughs> it's so sneaky. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, what's happening? Okay. What is the most compassionate act someone has done for you? Ooh, nobody's ever asked me that. What's the most compassionate act? Um, I would say either my husband now (laughs) and my daughter are the two people who are most compassionate to me. Um, uh, I can't remember an exact time, but because they do it all the time. (laughs) Oh, that's sweet. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. What do you love most about your life? Uh, The transformation. Mm -hmm. The transformation from the person that I was in that who I was then compared to who I am now. And not only the person that I am, but the life that I lived then compared to the life that I live now is like just that transformation from then to now is spectacular. It's amazing. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's such a good feeling. Mm-hmm. How do you feel you receive love? In my heart. <laughs> <laughs> do you mean like acts? It could be acts. It could be how you connect to love. How do you feel like it comes to you? And because the reason why I asked is because a lot of times, you know, people give love. It's a lot easier in your mind. Like, oh, yeah, I'm giving you this. I'm giving you this. Mm -hmm. But then there's this resistance when love is being given to you. Mm, Touch came up. Mm -hmm. Touch um, and connection. Just being with that person. Like the two closest people to me are my daughter and my husband. So when I spend time with them you know, and I'm very touchy feely. So I'm always touching, hugging, and my daughter's not a hugger. And, but I, I get hugs from her. So yeah, I would say the the touch and connection. Okay. And my last question is where has love brought, um, where has love created a miracle in your life? Um, definitely from my, my first marriage to who I am now, because I, I, truly believe that if I hadn't gone through that 22 years, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't know what love is. And my children, like having children is the ultimate love, right? Because you, you have this baby and like, I need that. Like, <laughs> wow. And you just love, 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 love them so much. And yeah, those two things. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Well, how can people connect with you, work with you? Um, give us the details on how people can stay connected with the work that you do. 
The easy and the best way is through my website, trueloveaftertoxiclove.com. Um, and there, there's the social media and the email link that they can click and connect with me. Also, my ebook is there. There's fun stuff. My story and all of that is there. So that that would be the easiest um, and the most accurate way, trueloveaftertoxiclove.com. Nice. Awesome. Well, this has been a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much for being on today's podcast. Thank you for having me. And thank you for this message and spreading love. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sending you lots of love. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.